Welcome to episode 39 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary! <laughs> Is anything new going on? No. I, oh, oh, oh my God. Okay. I watched this movie last night on Netflix called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It's by... Um, yes. Oh, Jesus. What's his name? You know who I'm talking I about. I know who you're talking about. I was going to try to watch that too, but it's fucking insane. And it I, came up in Polish. <laughs> oh, that's the movie you were trying to watch. <laughs> well, that was another one I was trying to watch. So I, I, went, uh, oh, I went to that next. Charlie Kaufman. Yes, I love Charlie Kaufman. Me too. But this movie is fucked, okay? I'm sorry. I'm not going to give you spoilers. It's just, I could kind of figure out, he's very much into what's happening in the brain, yes. psychological things. And it's very interesting to watch it. You'll love all the a lot ton of references that are in it because it's two like very smart people having these convers like intellectual yeah. academic conversations. I think that you would love that part. I liked it, but it's so bizarre. And his movies are so bizarre. Yes, and if it ends, and I'm like, I think this is what happened. I had to look up <laughs> what the movie is about, and then I was, it was like midnight, and I was like, is this what I was? Is this what a movie supposed to be like? Can't you just tell me a little bit yes. more? Like what the hell I just saw? That's kind of his thing, though, because he did um, yes, uh, being John Malkovich. Yes, uh, yes, and I remember, I remember when that came out. I loved it so much. And, I just um, adaptation, which yes. is another he wrote himself into the movie. Yes. The wrote, writer wrote himself. It's so good very just he's, yeah but it's on netflix I, I mean it's slow moving but it's so like um like you're on the edge of your seat the whole time yeah it's, maybe it's i'll really watch good. it that maybe that'll be what i do this afternoon for a little bit so i my son and i yesterday uh we went to um we just ran an errand and then he's he loves to listen to music so he's like can we just take a little a, a drive so i Aww. said okay let's do a drive and he's like singing and we um we went down like by Los Olas. I said, we'll go Los Olas. We'll head up the beach. Oh, honey, this is the drive. I do this oh. with my family. We go, to, But I go to 17th Street Causeway. Yeah, I was going to do 17th. And I was like, go oh, we'll go down. I said, I said, I haven't gone down Los Olas in so long. And then yeah. I got sad because I saw like the Floridian. And Yes, yes. But we're heading there. And then I forgot. Like I remembered it was Labor Day weekend. Oh, God. But I oh, was no. shocked. Why are you shocked? Why are you shocked? You know what Florida uh, is like. I so we're heading <laughs> we, you know we're starting to head towards and I said oh my oh there's all these it's so much so much traffic mm. and then I was like oh no and then like edges sidewalks no masks no one wearing masks even on the sidewalk it was like one or two people and then when we hit the beach and I turned and like there's a1a <laughs> yeah and 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 beach one avenue yes we're right by the elbow room yeah episode one <laughs> and <laughs> It was wall to wall to wall to wall people piled up and no one is wearing a mask. So I'm going to be curious to see in two weeks well, between like, said. you know, schools uh, yeah. around here starting uh, with with, you know, some of the schools starting with students. Uh, and then this thing, I'm going to be curious to see. Listen, I know that I'm lazy, but when I know that I have a day off like this, like tomorrow on Labor Day, I can't tell you how many ways I'm going to be laying around my fucking house. I'll be laying on the couch. I'll be laying on my bed. Oh, I'll be laying wait. in the pool. Like, that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Like, I have no interest whatsoever to be in a crowd of people at the beach or anywhere else. No. What in the fuck? No, especially right now. It was so many people. I mean, I was, I, I, I really was naive. 
Well, I, but this <laughs> is like they like, also because well because and Tina, there's cops, but the cops aren't doing anything. They, I, I think they've stopped doing that. They yeah. can, they can't do anything. But they um, from the beginning they gave us so much information that wasn't really like you can't get it outside. All this other bullshit. But you can get it outside if you're not six feet apart from somebody too. You know, yes. and not wearing masks like that's yes. what did the what are they talking about? It it was. It reminded me of, I mean, I'm sure at some point you've gone down like 4th of July, Mm -hmm. like how it's like there's not much room to like walk. It's just, it was umbrellas and umbrellas and umbrellas and and there's no room. That's what it was like. Wow. You know, I thought there would be like maybe little like families (sighs) together and like some spacing and they got to, when you get further up the beach and you're heading more north, then, you know, it's like uh, even by a commercial, uh, there's a little city Lauderdale by the sea wasn't very crowded atlantic wasn't very crowded but like fort lauderdale mm-hmm. there are musicians people are screaming in the bars like sing i was singing along i'm like what is going on but it's like we live in another universe yes. another world yes it's it's like yeah it's like two separate worlds of people it's and it and would be funny if it wasn't so fucking dangerous and keeping us from you know from reopening and like just having like yeah. things back to normal and our governor's like running around the state right now trying to promote tourism and i'm oh like how can you even ask people it's a it's a crime what you're doing asking oh people God. to come here i mean it's what the fuck is wrong with you it's it's insane yeah. when there's other countries mm-hmm. and even like um in the caribbean like like you cannot just fly over there's like you know all of these you got to be quarantined for two weeks and then quarantined for two weeks before you go back like everything is so strict and here it's just like woo yeah party they're not taking any chances we're like let's go let's take the chances (laughs) roll the dice have five thousand people on a beach it's wild wow i'm ready to hear your story okay yeah that's your first today today (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) i I'm going to tell you about former governor of New York, <gasps> Elliot Spitzer. <laughs> okay, here we I go. I told you yeah, I'm going to bring go. a big fish this week. Yes. And I've brought the big one. Oh my God, let me sit. Let me okay. settle in. Get let me settle relaxed, in. honey. Yes. Because it's a ride. All right. Oh, so, way. Elliot Spitzer was born in 1959 in Bronx, New York, the son of Anne, an English literature professor, and Bernard Spitzer, a real estate mogul. I had no idea that his family was like Boku million, million, million dollars. Yeah, I didn't know that like either. Real money, not Trump money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize he was kind of youngish. I don't know. I feel. 19, yeah, he's, so he's 10 years younger than my mom. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like he's a little older. Maybe it's just his look. Or the balding, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that what you meant by look? <laughs> Sorry. I came right out with it. I love bald men. Larry David. Uh, All day, every day. Okay. Yes. So Spitzer is the youngest of three children. He was raised in the affluent Riverdale section of the Bronx in New York City. His family was not religious, and Spitzer did not have a bar mitzvah. Uh, after, uh, After scoring 1590 out of 1600 on his SATs, he attended Princeton University and graduated with an AB from the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs in 1981 after completing a 151 page long senior thesis titled revolutions in post-stalin eastern eastern europe a study of soviet reactions oh god (laughs) i love that so much yeah okay at princeton wild yeah (laughs) at princeton he was elected chairman of the undergraduate student government he then received his uh juris doctor or law degree at harvard law 
law school. He was he has said he received a perfect score on the law school admission test um, and went on to attend Harvard, like we said, Harvard Law School, where he met and married Silda Wall. Spitzer was an editor of the Harvard Law Review. Like our favorite president of all time. I know. That's immediately what I thought of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Upon receiving his law degree, Spitzer clerked for Judge Robert W. Sweet of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York and then joined the law firm of Paul Weiss, Wifkind, Wharton, and Garrison. He stayed there for less than two years before leaving to join the New York State, I mean, sorry, the New York County District Attorney's Office. Here we go. (laughs) I love Law and Order. Okay. Not a Law & Order president, but Law & Order the show. Yes. (laughs) Spitzer joined the staff of Manhattan District Attorney Robert Morgenthal, where he became chief of the labor racketing unit and spent six years pursuing organized crime. I pointed to Tina. Not That is not a bigoted, like, anti-Italian thing that I'm pointing at you. I just know how much you love talking about mob stories. I know. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's Uh, true. It's true. (laughs) Spitzer's biggest case came in 1992 when he led the investigation that ended the Gambino crime Mm. family's organized crime control of Manhattan's trucking and garment industries. Spitzer devised a plan to set up his own sweatshop in the city's garment district where he turned out shirts, pants, and sweaters and hired 30 laborers. The shop manager eventually got close to the Gambinos, and officials were able to plant a bug in their office. Ooh. The Gambinos, rather than being charged with extortion, which was which was hard to prove, were charged with antitrust violations. Joseph and Thomas Gambino, the latter being an extremely high-ranking member, and two other defendants took the deal and avoided jail by pleading guilty, paying $2 million in fines, and agreeing to stay out of the business. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> we're taking their word for it. Yeah. Spitzer left the district attorney's office in 1992 to work at the law firm of Skaden, Arps, Slate, Mager, and Flom. I'm sure these are all really important uh, law firms. I have no idea. From 1994 to 1998, he worked at the law firm Constantine and Partners on a number of consumer rights and antitrust cases. That's kind of important because what he does next, um, so he starts to run for office, right? In 1994, he ran for this New York state attorney and he came in fourth in the primary, Four years later, Spitzer again wanted to run for attorney general, and on May 6, 1998, he announced he would run for the office for a second time. He emerged as the frontrunner among the Democratic candidates, ranking first at the Democratic convention with 36% of the vote. He also had the most money, the most amount of money with over $2 million. Dang. In September, he won the Democratic primary election with 42% of the vote. In late October 1998, Spitzer conceded that his father had lent him most of his campaign money. Must be nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not good. I when, mean, you know, when you can put ads out and start yeah, swaying people. This because, is this is why there needs to be, and we've talked about it before, but but some laws here mm-hmm. reform caps. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the New York Times, after repeatedly contending that he alone paid his campaign bills this oh, year and in God. 1994, he acknowledged that his father, a wealthy real estate developer, played an extensive role in helping to finance his, his campaigns. He financed the campaigns from two sets of loans, both from J.P. Morgan and company, that amounted to $4.3 million in 1994 and $4.8 million in 1998. Spitzer said, I quote, I have worked long, long hours for my dad and various businesses. Look, I'm not saying that I'm underpaid, but I'm, but in any effort to challenge the propriety of that fee is way off base, end quote. Oh, come on. So he's saying he's being paid for working for his dad's yes. business. Come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Could you imagine you do a couple extra hours yeah. for your dad and you get paid $4 million? Yeah. <laughs> God. 
God, I, the, the lives that some of these people live, mm-hmm. it's just insane. I know. Or the spin that they try to give. Yes. Um, on October 28th, the New York Times endorsed Spitzer, opining that both candidates were flawed, but adding that, quote, Vaco, who was his opponent, Vaco's performance and his key policy positions make him an even worse choice than Spitzer. Okay, Hell, so these guys, yeah. well, we're not so good. Nobody but, likes these. Yeah. It, it reminds us of our sheriff yes. endorsement. What an Howard. endorsement. <laughs> Listen to me. If you are going to read any endorsement, go to the Sun Sentinel uh, and read the Broward Sheriff's Office endorsement right before August. It's it is so funny. a crackpot article. It's insane. Oh, my God. Yeah, we got we to gotta name somebody. Uh, Here we go. Why then? But why yeah. do you have to do that? I know. Just say sorry. They all, they're all bad. Yeah. Um, in November, cause a lot of the readers, they, they use that endorsement. Yes. A lot of the readers, they don't know any of these candidates and they go, and well, they this own, is who the Sun yes, Sentinel says. And that's, and that's it. Yeah. Can you, can it you didn't imagine? help though, because the person they endorsed didn't even win. So no. Well. Oh, well. In November, Spitzer went on to defeat Republican incumbent Dennis Facco by a small margin of victory, 0.6%. Spitzer did not win a single county in upstate New York and won a total of six counties statewide, mostly in the Manhattan, that whole area. Yeah. In 2002, Spitzer ran for re-election and a second term as New York's attorney general, and he defeated a Republican judge 66 to 30 percent. As General Spitzer, I mean, as (laughs) as attorney general, (laughs) it's early. Um, Spitzer stepped up to the pro- up the profile of the office. Traditionally, state attorneys general general um, have pursued consumer rights cases, concentrating on local fraud while deferring national issues to the federal government. Breaking with this, Spitzer took up civil actions and criminal prosecutions relating to corporate white collar crime, securities fraud, internet fraud, and environmental protection. The New York att- Attorney General's office has Wall Street within its jurisdiction. Also, the New York Attorney General wields greater than usual powers of investigation and prosecution of corporations under New York State's general business law. In particular, under the Martin Act of 1921, the New York Attorney General has the power to subpoena witnesses and company documents pertaining to investigations of fraud or illegal activity by a corporation. Now, we know this is true because of what they're doing to Trump right now. Yeah. When Trump leaves office, whenever that may be, uh, hopefully, hopefully sooner rather than later. Please. But as soon as that happens, New York has a case. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. I cannot wait yes. for this to happen. So as soon as he leaves office and he's no longer, they can, because of these powers, they can actually yeah. do a lot. Uh, so I, I'm, that's what I'm waiting for. That's the, that's going to be the trial. Yeah, we'll see. Of the century. I mean, I hope hopefully. so. I hope so. <laughs> Spitzer used this statute to allow his office to prosecute cases which have been described as within federal jurisdiction. Spitzer used his authority in his civil actions against corporations and criminal prosecutions against their officers. It it proved useful in the wake of several U.S. corporate scandals that began with the collapse of Enron in 2001. Several of these corporations, as well as the brokerage as well as the brokerage houses that sold their stock, were accused of having inflated stock values by unethical means throughout the 1990s. When inquiries into these allegations by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and Congress failed, Spitzer's office used its subpoena power to obtain corporate docs uh, building cases against the firms both in courtrooms and in public opinion. During his term in office, Spitzer also commissioned a 1999 study of the NYPD's stop-and-frisk practices. In 2004, the nation endorsed Spitzer as a possible Democratic candidate for president, stating that he was, mm. quote, the single most effective battler against corporate abusers, abuses in 
either political party, end quote. Oh, goodness. So, let's see. On December 8th, 2004, Spitzer announced his intention to seek the Democratic nomination of governor of New York. While long rumored, Spitzer's announcement was unusually early, nearly two years before the election. As a result of Spitzer's relative speed in bringing state Democrats to his side, he gained the respect of Democratic leaders nationwide. New, ne- New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson dubbed Spitzer the, quote, Future of the Democratic Party. Oh, and, uh-oh. At a fundraiser held, <laughs> <laughs> kind of true, right? Then, yeah, a mess. At a fundraiser held in June 2005 for Spitzer's gubernatorial campaign in 2000, January 2006, Spitzer selected New York State Senate Minority Leader David David Patterson as his choice for Lieutenant Governor and running mate. On May 30th, 2006, Spitzer and Patterson won the endorsement of the New York State Democratic Party. A June 2006 Quinnipiac. University Polling Institute poll showed him leading Nassau County Executive Thomas Fusey, 76 to 13%. And on October 5th, on October 5th, Spitzer addressed the Empire, Empire State Pride agenda and declared that he would work as governor to legalize gay marriage in New York. Spitzer was elected governor on November 7th, 2006, when he defeated Republican John Faso and Libertarian John Clifton, among others, with 69% of the vote. And he won the largest. He won by the with the largest majority of victory ever in a New York gubernatorial race. Yeah, I mean race. that's a big that's a big win. Yeah, very big win. Yeah, um, I did have a bunch of stuff about um, what he did as governor, but you know it was hit or miss. He had things that yeah. really worked. He had things that didn't. Hillary Clinton was a state senator at the time, so he was working a lot with her. Um, but so he gets elected November seventh, two thousand six. He's in office about a year, and then. On Here March 10th, we go. <laughs> 2008, <laughs> the New York Times reported that Governor of New York, Elliot Spitzer, had patronized a sex worker ring, like a couple of people in the sex worker ring, run by an escort service known as Empire's Club VIP. Ooh. During the course of an investigation by the FBI into Empire's Club VIP, the federal government became aware of Spitzer's involvement with sex workers due to a wiretap. The investigation of Spitzer was initiated after North North Fork Bank reported suspicious transactions to the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes (gasps) Enforcement Network, as required by the Bank Secrecy Act, which was enhanced by the Patriot Act provisions, uh, enacted to combat terrorist activities such as money laundering. Right. So Spitzer had at least seven liaisons with sex workers from the agency over six months and paid more than $15,000 for their services. Federal agents had him under surveillance twice in 2008. According to published reports, investigators believe Spitzer paid up to $80,000 for sex workers over a period of several years, first while he was attorney general and later as governor. So this kind of thing is really dangerous because you're prosecuting crimes. Yes. And if any of these folks get wind of what you're up to, they can blackmail you. Of course. They can make you do things. And then as yes. governor, it's just as bad. Yes. You know, you can't have this kind of secret that no. other, you know, people can use. And that's the thing, you know, if if someone wants to frequent a sex worker, you know, that's their business. But there's that bit of hypocrisy there when yeah. you're you know it's if it's not legal right and you're in the arena of law for your right your, your job yeah it's a very dangerous mm-hmm. dangerous he's, he's definitely on the edge yes because now he's putting himself and therefore his constituents at, 
at risk if he does get blackmailed or something. Exactly. Ooh, I know. Um, Governor Spitzer referred to as, quote, Client 9 in an affidavit filed in U.S. federal court arranged to meet at the Mayflower Hotel in Washington on February 13th, 2008 with a sex worker named Kristen. In quotes, that's not her real name. She intended to travel from New York for the planned tryst, and Spitzer agreed in advanced advance that he would be paying for everything train tickets cab fare from the hotel and back mini bar room service travel time hotel after the meeting on february 13th 2008 spitzer paid her forty three hundred dollars in cash the the payment included eleven hundred dollars as a deposit with the agency toward future services room 871 at the mayflower hotel was booked under the name george fox as a pseudonym that it was allegedly the name of a, his close friend, a hedge fund investor. <laughs> what? So he's going to throw someone else's name out there? <laughs> yes. I mean, at least make one up. Uh, You're going to take someone else's name and potentially like have them be in trouble? Oh, my God. <laughs> the best. Um, according oh, that, to, I, that would, I would be so annoyed if someone did I mean, that with my like, name. Even if he was thinking about... I wonder if he thought about it before he booked the hotel or he got there and he was like, oh, my name, my name, my yeah. name is George Fox. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I swear, I promise. Yeah. According to Newsday, Spitzer wanted to transfer, transfer more than $10,000 to a front company for the sex worker ring. However, he broke up the transactions into smaller slices due to federal law requiring the reporting of any transfer of $10,000 or more. Yes. When he tried to get his name taken off the bank wires, the bank refused, saying that the money had already been wired out and that it would be improper to do so in any case. The IRS Criminal Investigation Division then began a probe, initially initially fearing that Spitzer was the victim of either extortion or identity theft. North Fork's report in July 2007 went largely unnoticed until HSBC filed a report in the fall that the transactions were going to a QAT International and QAT Consulting Group, which were offshore shell companies operating as a front for the Empire's Club wow. VIP. Wow, wow, I wow. I mean, this is a well-orchestrated <laughs> yeah. organization here. Yeah. They're making some money, though, because they're probably all dealing with high rollers. Yeah. Uh, later, the IRS con- contacted the FBI to investigate possible political corruption. They thought maybe he was doing something, right? The investigation led federal authorities to link the money transfers to the Empire's Club, or I'm sorry, Emperor's Club, Prosecutors um, charged the four people operating the escort service with violations of the Mann Act several days prior to the revelations of Spitzer's involvement. On November 19, 2007, Republican operative Roger Stone sent a letter to the (sighs) FBI saying that Spitzer, quote, used the service of high-priced call girls while in Florida. You know, Roger Stone... Who are you to throw stones, Roger Stone? Stone provided details saying that Spitzer wore... Calf length black socks while having sex. <laughs> Hot. Oh no! That's no, what I'm looking for. No. I'm looking for some black socks that go right oh, up the calf. Oh my god! That's just he's busy. He's so busy, he, Tina. He, he doesn't can't, have time he can't to take, take his socks, socks off. off. Oh, come on, take the socks off. Uh, um, okay, on March seventh, two thousand eight, the New York Times reported that the federal government had arrested four people in connection with an international online sex worker ring run by Emperor's. Emperor's Club VIP. Later on March 10th, Spitzer, Spitzer said uh, at a press conference, quote, I have acted in a way that violates my obligation to my family and violates me, my or any sense of right and wrong. I apologize first and most importantly to my family. I apologize to the public to whom I promised better. I have disappointed and failed to live up to the standard I expected of myself. I must now dedicate some time to regain the trust of my family, <clears throat> end quote. 
I, well, I like that he put his family first. Yes. Um, but the whole right and wrong thing, that's definitely now you've just announced to the world that you're not capable mm-hmm. of making that distinction and you're working as governor. Yeah. Yeah. So I know uh, they, like you've just put into question every choice and decision that you've made. Mm hmm. Well, right. Ooh. Like he's probably about all the prosecuting yes. of, the, of the Gambino family. Yes. Ooh, no, no. Following Spitzer's March 10th press conferences, press conference, New York State Assembly Republican Minority Leader James Tedesco and Republican New York Congressman uh, Peter King <laughs> separately <laughs> called for his resignation. Tedesco later announced that he would initiate impeachment proceedings in the state assembly if Spitzer did not resign. Spitzer's office and the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York declined to comment except to say that, quote, there is no agreement between this office and Governor Elliot Spitzer relating to his resignation or any other matter, end quote. In the wake of the re- revelations and amid threats of impeachment, Spitzer announced on March 12, 2008, that he would resign his post as governor at noon on March 17, 2008. Spitzer said at a news conference in Manhattan, quote, I cannot allow for my private failings to disrupt the people's work. Over the course of my public life, I have insisted, I believe correctly, that people take responsibility for their conduct. I can, I can and will ask no less of myself. For this reason, I am resigning from the office of governor, end quote. And of course, you know, his lovely wife is there. I don't know if you remember still, that press conference. I don't, but she's still standing by him. No, no, not anymore. Oh. But her, I don't know if you know this or if you watched the show, The Good Wife. No. Okay. Alicia Florek, who's the character in The Good Wife, that fucking show, by the way, Tina, so good, like beginning to end. I don't really watch like television shows that are on local, like these CB, NBC. Yes, I, I don't I, either. I haven't. I don't have time. cable. That was the only one I ever really watched. It was so good. But her, that character was based on Silda Wall. Oh. Because she was an attorney, a powerhouse, like just a fucking amazing and now woman. now she's got to deal with this crap. And she's married to this <sighs> prick. And so that was the same thing in the show is that it was started with this press conference of the husband saying he got caught in this, this scandal. And she had to then pick up the pieces and like move on with her life. And she becomes, goes back to law and like, it's so, it's so Ugh. fucking good. But anyway, when I read her, uh, Silda's bio and, and then I, I saw that, I was like, yes, this is so much like what Alicia Florek is like on the good wife. But anyway, and they had three daughters. I mean, it's so, it's so fucked up. <sighs> so Spitzer's Lieutenant governor, David Patterson succeeded him as governor of New York and served the remaining two and a half years of Spitzer's four year term in November, 2008, the department of justice declined to prosecute Spitzer for violating the man act. So he doesn't really get into any trouble right. here at all. Um, so the aftermath. So for his marriage, Silda wall Spitzer stood beside her husband when he announced his resignation as New York governor following the scandal on May 13th, I'm sorry, May 31st, 2013, it was reported the couple were living apart. And at the close of 2013, Spitzer and his wife announced the end of their marriage. I mean, it was still, she was with him. Yeah, for a while oh, afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So for his, as far as his career, everything seemed fine. Well, <laughs> you know, he's got nothing, a dad. He's got a dad. Changed. That, yeah. His, you know, little daddy warbucks yeah. on the on the side over there. Yeah. So right afterwards, in September 2009, Spitzer joined the faculty of the City College of New York. Come as on. A, as an adjunct instructor of political science and taught an undergraduate course called law and public policy oh that's nice oh, so he's an adjunct so he taught one class <laughs> so he doesn't have to work he's teaching one class no 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 oh here's some other things okay, so spitzer, like, come on. <laughs> spitzer 
He's made several appearances commenting on the financial crisis in November 2008, writing columns for Slate Magazine in 2011 regarding the economy, speaking engagements in June 2009 for Entrepreneurs Organization, as well as appearances on Real Time with Bill Maher, CNN, and MSNBC. In 2012, he hosted his own show on Al Gore's cable television network Current. The show was called Viewpoint with Elliot Spitzer. All of these guys are either radio show hosts, yeah. talk show hosts, like they, they, they need I, the, I, I they, think these they producers, need to be in the, the, I think they just need to also like be in the light. Like they, yes. they can't just, they can't go away, walk away. They know they can't be elected again. I mean, you hope, yeah. but uh, also the people who put on the shows think, well, because of this scandal, everybody knows this person's name. Yes. We can use it to draw people in yes. and then the show will be so great. They'll stay right. Um, okay, so as far as elections, in 2013, Spitzer announced he was running for New York City Comptroller oh, and would start on. a petition the following day. 3,750 valid signatures from registered voters from his party were required by 2011, I'm sorry, by July 11th to register for the race, but Spitzer was able to submit over 27,000 signatures to the city board of elections before the deadline. Spitzer commented that he was asking for forgiveness and hopeful that voters could forgive him, but he lost the primary in September 2013. Um, but, then- but, but people, I don't think people see... You know, that as like a major, I don't know. They're probably like, well, you made a mistake. And- yeah. But that kind of reminds me of Wiener, how Wiener yeah. tried to run for mayor after, yes. after the whole thing. And it was like, what like are you just, doing? Yeah, just go away. Especially because here's here's where it ends up, right? Like this is this is the end of the story is that following his father's illness in, in, and death in 2014, and with politics behind him, Spitzer came to lead his family's real estate business, Spitzer's Enterprise, Spitzer Enterprises, despite having avoided the role for much of his life. Spitzer sold his company's apartments in the Corinthian and Crown Building for a large profit, which he used to fund a $700 million project of three waterfront buildings in South Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So, like, this is why it's yeah. he can be so cavalier with all of this yeah. stuff. It's because he really has never had to do any of this. You no. know, he never really had He's got to- a real estate empire to fall back on yeah and that's what he did that's what he's doing now he's running these things i just saw when i was looking up information about him he was dating this woman named liss smith something like that she's like this genius political um consultant she was a big part of pete Buttigieg's campaign and got him pushed up in the numbers he was pretty high on there for a while um and she's supposed to be this amazing political strategist and she was working for um, Bill Blasio's Bill. Is it Mayor Blasio from yes. New York? She was working for him as a communication something, and it comes out that she was having a relationship with Spitzer, and it goes all over the paper. And Blasio has to fire her because she's involved with this guy, yeah. and like oh, what no. a fucking mess it was. Oh, because he's like, I don't need that. Like, yeah, I don't need that around yes. my campaign. Which was fine for her anyway. I mean, she moved on yeah. to bigger and better things. But it says, like, even getting involved with fucking Spitzer. Yeah. Ugh, so gross. Well, that's the story of Elliot Spitzer. I love it. <laughs> I can't, like, the idea of just having that to fall back on, you know. And yes. that's the thing, like, like the everyday person can't bounce back from these kind of scandals like, you know, this guy can. Right. You know, someone else, if you're in some other career or other field, like, that taints your whole reputation and you know money man i know it's wild i know Ugh. i wonder and i wonder too if something was going on with the dad like if 
If he wouldn't go work there until after the dad's now sick and dying, like, what's going on there? Yeah. You know He's what I mean? He's probably like, I want to do my own thing, Dad. Yeah. I don't want to run the empire. I want to be governor of New York. Why can't I? Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Today, I'm going to tell you the story about the City of Bell scandal. What? I know. What is that? This story is so wild. Okay. All right. So in 2010, the city of Bell was a modest suburb in Los Angeles County with quaint tree-lined streets. But when a newspaper reporter learns of potential misappropriation of funds, he rings the bell on political corruption that no one suspected. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So our story takes place in the city of Bell, California, which is in L.A. County. And when I first read that Bell was in L.A. County, I immediately thought of L.A., yeah. you know, movies, glamour, et cetera. But this city is more of a blue-collar community. Average salary back then was like $36,000 annually. Um, it has a large Latino population, and it's still like this kind of cute, quaint community. And before I go into details... I want to kind of break down the situation because there are so many people involved Okay, that I can't go into all of their backgrounds. So I'm going to just kind of say like, here's who was who. So you have a sense of, you know, what's going on. So there's Robert Rizzo, who is the major player in this story. He's the former, he was then city manager of the town. And I don't want to, I don't want to fat shame here. That's not my intent. But when I saw his photo and when you see... Him, it is, um, he seems like the epitome of the spoils of capitalism. Wow. Like he is just gluttonous. He's this huge guy. Really? Yes. Big, big, big guy. So Robert Rizzo. Okay. There's Angela Spaccia, the deputy city manager. There is um, Mayor Oscar Hernandez, Vice Mayor Teresa uh, Jacobo, the former councilman uh, George Cole and Victor Bello, and uh, Councilmen's uh, Louis Artiga and George Mirabel, and also uh, the police chief, Randy Adams. So it's the entire this is, yeah, city this council. This is too many people to keep track of. The entire city council. Wow. And the city manager and the police chief. Oh, my God. All of them. Like, imagine, like, the entire Fort Lauderdale, like, no. city council involved. All right, so... Can, I, I just, it blows my mind. Like the, all of them are in this thing together, this scandal together. Wow. So the major incident, what did these guys do? So from my research, it seems like the shady behavior started around 2002 and 2003 and ended when they got caught in 2010. And according to oh, David- Oh, that's a long time. It's a long time. Mm. And according to David- Folkenflik's NPR article, Robert Rizzo, then city manager, along with the other many other members of the commission and other city employees were making more than any other city official in the entire United States of America. What? Yes. So even though this is a relatively smallish city, I want to say there's about 30 to 40,000 people, right? So this isn't some huge city. Robert Rizzo was making $1.5 million a year. As his salary. Wait a minute. Yeah. How can they even do that? How, how can they do that? I'm going to tell you how this is so... It, I, I like read about this and I was like, oh my God. So 
uh, Folkenflik notes that not only was Rizzo bringing in that cash, but the other council members too. And according to uh, SFGate, when commenting on the scandal, then District Attorney Steve Cooley said, this, needless to say, is corruption on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how somebody, you always have at least, at least one or two people who have to be at every single city council or city commission meeting because yes. they're sitting in the back, they're taking their notes, they're very right. well-informed citizens, okay, so, and they're ones who always stand up and are like, what's going on? Yes. How would they not know? So this is what they did. So they did it through the city charter. Mm. So Folkenflik explains that most cities function under state law that has caps on how much a city manager or councilman are allowed to be paid. And in 2005, Rizzo puts forth a motion to develop a city charter that's voted on by all the members. And from there, they don't have to follow the state rule on how much people are getting paid and they can pay themselves as much as they want. But they kept the salaries out of the public eye and they weren't transparent about it and they didn't talk about it at the public meetings. Wow. So when they're like renewing. So I know from uh, experience, I had a short stint as a, uh, town clerk mm-hmm. and the then city manager it was a new city manager at the time and and uh, that um, contract was put before the commission with all of the details of the contract right. in it and they had to it was part of the commission meeting right. they had to read through it and they have public. to vote on it so right. that that's not happening wow they're not they're 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 shifting around and I'll get into uh, what they did. So Ugh. Rizzo's making 1.5 million. <laughs> Spaccia is making about $564,000. But the other part-time council members, including former councilman George Cole, like I said, Victor Bello, Louis Artiga and George Mirabel, the mayor, Oscar and the uh, Hernandez and the vice mayor, Teresa uh, Jacobo made a hundred thousand dollars a year for their service. And according to California law, they should have only been making $400 a month, meaning they should have only been making like $5,000 a year. And they were each getting $100,000 annually. I I just, but the money, (laughs) I mean, it's so fucking ridiculous, but the money that they're supposed to be getting. Yes. Or the money, where are they getting that money to pay themselves? So I'll tell you. Okay, because this is like, if it's such a small city, like where in the hell is money coming from? Well, the thing that's horrible is they bankrupted the town. Oh my God. They bankrupted, the town still now has not recovered. Oh my God. They gutted this town financially, like under the noses of everyone. And the people can't sell their houses there now. Like even if you want to get out. Well, that part I don't know, but like, yeah, there's no... Well, who the hell wants to live in a I city know. like this? Yes. So now oh they are God. trying to like bring the reputation back and because <sighs> now it's been almost 10 years. But so the issue is getting paid a lot isn't the issue, right? Because it's not illegal to say, hey, I want this much money. And if the if people say, okay, yeah, it's approved, it's the the it's the way that they went about it. That is the issue. So according to SFG, DA Cooley explained that Rizzo had various employment contracts to pay himself. And it ended up being close to like $4.3 million, And this is contracts that the council didn't approve. He provided loans to himself and other council members to almost $2 million. And council members made, you know, at the end about $1.25 million collectively for board meetings and such that didn't occur. Wow. So they're supposed to be getting paid. So they're like, oh, we had a board meeting about this. We had a meeting about that. We're doing this. And they're putting these like papers together. They might like, go, oh, yeah, what a great meeting. We met for two minutes by right to, to say we met. Yeah. 
but they didn't weren't getting any work done. Oh my gosh! You know, and the New York Daily News further noted that Bell raised property taxes, oh. business license fees, yeah, here we go, trash sewage fees, all illegally wow. to cover this up. And the auditor further noted that gas taxes and other state funds were illegally diverted. And a voter-approved bond for $50 million that was for a brand new park that never got built. Oh, my God. That's what it yes. is. That's the bond. That's, it's all of this stuff. Yes, here it is. Isn't it? It's, it's great. Can you imagine? Well, the park. Like, oh, we're going to approve just, this bond. And then, but and then it makes me think of uh, locally with, with the the bond to, like, fix the schools that's been sitting and sitting. It's like, wh- how come nothing that works yeah. getting done? A years Where's and years and money? years. Where's the money? What's happening? You know, things like that. But it's crazy. Damn. So according to Patrick Healy and Jonathan Lloyd of NBC News Los Angeles in court, the prosecutors referred to these contracts, these fake meetings, et cetera, as, quote, the secret formula to duping the public about their pay. And ABC 7 uh, San Francisco released a bit of an email exchange between Spaccia, who was then the vice, um, the deputy uh, city manager, and Randy Adams, who wanted to be the police chief. And this kind of highlights what they were doing. So Spaccia says, quote, we've crafted our agreements carefully so we do not draw attention to our pay. The word, quote, pay period is used and not defined in order to protect you from someone taking the time to add up your salary. Adams, this is the potential police. Yeah. The potential police chief. Yeah. <laughs> I am looking forward to seeing you and taking all of Bell's money. Okay, just a share of it. Spaccia, LOL. Well, you can take your share of the pie just like us. We will all get fat together. Spaccia. Uh, Bob has an expression he likes to use on occasion. Pigs get fat. Hogs get slaughtered. So as long as we're not hogs, all is well. And Bob is referring to Robert Rizzo. This is fucking insane. This, no, wait wait a minute. This was emails? or This, this was an emails. Oh, my God. Yes. So now they have, you know, so obviously they? they know what they're doing. Of course. Yes. So uh, the funniest thing is, is at trial, though, uh, CBS News reported in her defense trial, she tried to say, like, she was just a glorified secretary. I just typed out, you know, Rizzo would come in and say, drop these contracts, make this meeting. And I just typed everything up. I didn't know what was going on. How much was she making? And meanwhile, here's this email that she clearly knew what the hell was going on. Oh, my God. I mean, the thing that's I just think that's like I said, that is is terrible. Like they sold they they it was over um, 10 million dollars that they took from the city. You know, there's people there that are making um, forty thousand dollars a year. It's this small. It's like, you know, this this little town and they 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 just took and took and took. It's it's disgusting. It really just, is. Well, the thing that bothers me too is that usually and it's everyone's involved, right? Like usually there's one person who would be like, this is not okay. Something's fucking, something's fucked right. up. We have to call somebody like somebody, there's something, somebody, but in the fact that every single one of them, like They're all who involved. was the first one and then how did they roll everybody else? Right. Because well, this is impos- dangled money in front of them. I know, but I my know, God, I know. when people run for council commission, I don't think they're in it for the money. You make no, no money. No, but that's the thing. And then they're making a hundred grand. They know that they're not supposed to be making a hundred grand. Of course. But how do they convince every single I, person? Like they're yeah, all the same type it's, of person. It's, it's in the whole council. It's crazy. Yeah. So how did things go down? So uh, at the beginning, uh, what happened was that there was um, a reporter and it was a Ruben Vives and Jeff Gottlieb of the LA Times, and they were originally covering a story 
of the nearby town called Maywood. And when they were kind of looking into a story happening in Maywood, someone said, hey, you should look into the high salaries of these guys in Bell. And so they asked about it. They put in a public records request. Uh-oh. Deny. Yeah. Right? Goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And according to David Fulkenflick's NPR article, Gottlieb, you know, keeps putting in there, requesting, requesting. And they're like, if you don't give us this, like, we're going to, you know, it's against the law. We're going to move forward. So they're like, okay, we're going to go meet you. Rizzo's like, I'll go meet you in a park. Uh-oh. Okay. So they go to a park and he says, you know, that Rizzo shows up, but like all these other city employees and a lawyer arrive. And he's like, okay, like, I just want to like, how much do you get made, uh, get paid? And Rizzo kind of does like a, and he's like, wait, what, what, how much? And he's like 700,000, which he was making more than that. But he was like, he said he, he'd stopped was like $700,000. Like he was shocked when he heard this number. And then that's, what gets the ball rolling that they, 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 they write about it. And then like all eyes start going into like what's going on in this town and it exposes everything. Oh my gosh. So it's, it's, and, and this to me is like perfect example of why we need our first amendment. Yes. You know, like this is, it's all about holding people accountable and your elected officials accountable. Cause otherwise if you didn't have that journalist, yes. How long would it keep going? Right. Till the town crumbled and they'd ride off in the sunset. Or that person who was like, go find, go, go talk to them because there's something, go look into these, yeah. these salaries. So some of the charges, and this is according to the LA Times and SFGate, Rizzo was charged with tax fraud for allegedly false, um, falsely reporting $770,000 in losses from his horse ranch. And then all of them collectively, it was about 53 counts of misappropriation of public funds and conflict of interest. So Rizzo had two things going on. He had the main misappropriation of funds charge, but because of that tax issue, like he had another federal okay. charge. So he was the one that had the kind of that separate tax thing. So uh, Rizzo ends up getting sentenced to 12 years wow. in state prison for corruption. And then he was sentenced to 33 months federal prison for the tax fraud. And he was permitted to serve that concurrently with the 12 year state prison term. He had to pay back. million in restitution. Whoa. And as reported in the LA Times, Judge Kathleen Kennedy said to Rizzo at the time of sentencing, Mr. Rizzo, you did some very, very bad things for a very long time. Wow. Angela Spaccia was sentenced to 11 years, eight months in prison. She has to pay back $8 million. George Mirabel, who is one of the councilmen, and this is according to NPR of uh, Southern California. He was sentenced to one year in jail, five years probation, 1,000 hours of community service, and had to pay back $242,293. George Cole, 180 days house arrest, five years probation, 1,000 hours community service, had to pay back 77000 The vice mayor, um, Mayor Teresa uh, Jacobo, sentenced to two years in prison, the mayor, Oscar Hernandez, was sentenced to one year in prison with five years probation, a thousand hours of community service, and had to pay back $241,000. Victor Bello was sentenced to one year county jail with five years probation, had to pay back $177,600. And Louis Artiga was the only one of all of them that was exonerated on all charges. Wow. So... So some points of interest. So in 2017, according to Matt Reynolds's court news service article, Angela Spaccia had five of the 11 counts reversed. 
And because um, they did that because they felt the prosecution didn't prove that Spaccia had, quote, some material degree of control over public funds. Mm. So they were like, yeah, she did this thing, but she didn't have control of the money. So they knock off um, five of the 11 counts. And VC Star reported that she was already out of jail at this time and serving house arrest and would be paroled by December 2017. And then the Bell police chief, Randy Adams. Yeah, what happened with this guy? So he was all he was making the ha- So they hire him. Right. So it's got one year, right? So he only worked one year. And so what the DA was saying is just because Rizzo approved the salary doesn't mean that it was sort of ill-gotten gain. Like the, the Rizzo's the one that signed the contract. So Randy didn't do anything illegal. He wasn't shuffling money around, but he took the salary. Right. And, but, uh, and he knew. Right. Like he's in these <clears> emails <throat> going, I'll take money from the, from the city. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Guess how much they paid him? Oh God. $457,000 a year. <laughs> Which was $150,000 more than the L.A. police chief at the time. And L.A. like wow. is humongous. Wow. <laughs> you know, he's like he's a chief of a town of 40,000. And he basically was like, you know, uh, I just figured they they uh, uh, when I went in, I, I was thinking they couldn't pay me. I, I have all this experience. And then they offered, you know, he tried to act like because he was <sighs> such a valuable. My God. Police chief. So he was fired after the scandal. Yeah, bye. And in 2012, the city of Bell tried to sue him, uh, according to CBS News 4. And in 2014, the Los Angeles Daily News reported that Adams has to reimburse the city for $200,000. Good. So, I mean, at least he has to pay that back. And But this is what I thought was interesting. According to Venturans for Responsible and Efficient Government, Adams still gets part of his pension. So the contract was for 411300 a year, but since he only worked one year, the city still had to pay like 3% of that pension, which um, comes to $12,339 a year. Wow. So he gets a pension. He gets twelve grand from this town. If he was a good Ugh. person, he would say, I'm not taking that pension. Tina, he's from not. We know he's not because look how what he was involved in in the first place. And on a similar note, Olga reported that Rizzo was set up with a $650,000 a year pension uh, that got reduced, thank God, after this to $50,000 a year. So he's still making still $50,000 a, a year from this town. And Spaccia's $250,000 a year pension went down to $34,000 a year. And, you know, I, I just feel like now this town still, like, forever has to pay pensions to these two jerks that like screwed them over. Mm. And then he gets some other job somewhere and then he's still getting an extra 50 K on the side. That's some bullshit. It is bullshit. It it's, is. It's, it's, it's disgusting. So, um, the other thing that, uh, I found that was just interesting about the town is remember they were trying to raise revenue. Uh-huh. And so at the time, one of the ways that he was doing it was through that shady stuff, but also through traffic stops. And we see that here, mm, like at the, the end of the month, you want to like, you yeah. get pulled over more and they make money off these traffic tickets. But what was happening there is they were doing track traffic stops, but they were only targeting like young Latinos. Oh my God. So it's just ugh. Tina, please with this fucking I know, story. I know I'm almost done. I no, have a couple what's more wrong points. with these people. It's horrible, horrible people. Ugh. According to the LA times at one point, this is the funniest thing to me. Um, one of the guys, Bella, one of the councilmen, he steps down as councilman, right? So he was getting paid, but then he stepped down, but he continued to c- collect almost a hundred thousand dollars a year. 
And the guy that replaces him goes on and he doesn't know what's going on. So he's only making 673 bucks a month. Meanwhile, everyone else is bringing in all this yeah, money. You know what? At the end of this, I'd have been like, uh, Thank check God. the records. Yes. I don't, yes. I'm not involved in any of this. Oh my God. And then another thing I found interesting <laughs> was that, um, Oscar Hernandez, who was the mayor, his defense was his lawyer was like he's too uneducated and he's too illiterate. Oh my! To know what God. was going. On. Meanwhile, he's the mayor of the uh, town. You know, he's too I've uneducated. Had it. I have had it. You know, <laughs> it's like they're so aware of everything that's going on. They're oh. taking this money, left over, yes. hand over fist, taking it, taking it, yes. and then the fucking ball drops. And then and you're like, gonna go. Oh, I didn't know. Me. Yeah, I don't understand. And they're like, no. well, he didn't have a high school diploma. He was a nice guy. He was no. completely unaware how much that he was supposed to be making. Bullshit. And then his lawyer even references uh, Dan Quayle. And he says, you know, um, people support uh, politicians all the time who are educated. Look at Dan Quayle. He couldn't even spell spell potato. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's their defense. That is one of my favorite fucking parts. That's That that moment is the greatest. When he's on the board. Was he on the board? He was writing potato? Yeah. Oh, my God. (sighs) Thank God. Thank you, God. I know. I mean... So, and I agree, like, you don't have to have a college degree to run for office, but if you're running a city, like, you you have some smarts, you know, and well, to act like you don't know that $100,000 is too much. And the funniest thing is that ABC News reported, uh, Ali Hamlet reported that when the story first broke and people were like, these guys are making too much money, like, that was the article, Hernandez, the illiterate, uneducated person, yeah. wrote a letter to the LA Times that said, quote, Unlike the skewed view of the facts, the Los Angeles Times prevented to advance the paper's own agenda. A look at the big picture of city compensation shows that salaries of the city manager and other top city staff have been in line with similar positions over the period of their tenure. This doesn't Uh, sound like someone who can't spell potato or is illiterate. (laughs) Like, What do you do, Tina, if you're caught in a crime, you're going to be prosecuted and you get a lawyer and the lawyer says to you, I know what we need to do. Yeah. Mr. Latino, we need to tell them that yes. you're dumb. Yeah. We need to tell them that you're illiterate. Yes. And you're like, okay. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, meanwhile, he was like this super, he was a, a, a success story. So uh, Oscar Hernandez was, you know, a, a kid that, you know, was an immigrant that built himself up, made it to mayor. You know, he was this big story. And then he, he turns that into, I'm an uneducated illiterate. It's really, yeah, it's, oh, wow. it's, 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 it's insulting. And then, um, the last thing I found, and I thought this was really funny, was in 2012. So Rizzo, before he gets sentenced, he still has to do like these community service hours. And I don't know if this was part of like the federal sentencing, but he still was like waiting to get sentenced for like the big crime. And he does his community service. Uh, there's a picture. I didn't use that picture for our Instagram, but it's so funny because he's this huge guy and he's like uh-huh. sitting in front of a, a surf museum. So his community service was like, Sit in, sit in front of the surf museum and go, uh, the, here, the orange cone, like some, someone, this is, I got to save this spot for someone. No, you can't park there. And he's just sitting there and like writing things down on a clipboard. Ugh. And he lasted one day because people were so upset. They were like, how could you have this criminal working at Whoa. the surf museum? Whoa. And the Orange County people were like, oh no, the guy that hired him didn't really realize. And so like he, he didn't even last a day. Uh, his little job and people were like why doesn't he pick up trash on the side of the road like why can't that be his community service he's gonna sit like on a little folding chair in front of a museum Mm. he needs like a harsher community service yeah did he serve that full sentence 
Um, the 12 years and the... I believe he's uh, still in jail. I think, oh. or maybe he, No, he might be... I think he's still in jail. Okay. Yeah. So that's the story of the swindling statesman in the city of Bell. Oh my <laughs> gosh. What a story. What a weird... Like the, the entire town... Well, I guess we've seen this before, right? We've seen, I did the one with the guys in, oh, the there was Chicago. a county. Well, Chicago, but there, the county in Florida where uh, the guy, they ended up finding the guy under the house. Remember that story? Yes, in Pensacola. In Pensacola. Yes. It was Escambia County. Yes, yes. Uh, Jones, maybe Willie J- yes. Jones yes. or something like that or something. I'm so sorry. I wish I could remember his name right now. But there, there was a couple guys, like two or three guys in that council. Like, yes. I guess they do find each other. But yes, an entire council an entire is mind-boggling, council. and a manager, and the police chief. Like that's it's it's incredible, and and you know, and it's like we're all gonna get fat. We're all gonna get fat off yeah, this money. It's this it's, weird, it's gross. It's gross, but it's uh, the thing that why I I've never understood. Like even I have to tell you, like skipping class. I was so terrified to do anything oh, wrong. I, I skipped class. <laughs> A lot of kids did. Yeah, yeah. I was so scared to like skip school, skip class, like do something wrong. I was so terrified of what could happen if I did the wrong thing. And I can't imagine trying to scam hundreds of thousands oh of dollars God. and potentially going to jail, to prison for it. Like, why is it worth any of that? Like, and it doesn't that, make it for such a, per- a little period of time, but your whole life is now going to be fake. You got to get out. You got to get out and get another job. You have this restitution hanging over your head. Yes. How are you going to pay back millions of dollars? It's not going to happen. And for what? Like, what did you get? What did you do with that money? What oh, did yeah. You get? Well, they were, he was living in this beautiful home. You know, they were living living it up but it's like a fraction part of the time he's yes. gonna be on earth that that he was living that way yes i don't think that's worth it and to think somehow that you're gonna get away with it right that's the thing no one's ever gonna find out and if they do we're gonna come up with the lamest fucking excuses yeah. i've ever heard <laughs> and see if it sticks and see if it sticks well they i was happy to see that they got you know i mean the two the two the city manager the deputy uh, city manager i mean they were running the show come on they were running the show oh girl please please crazy story and that's it well i loved it thank you very much for sharing your story with us today Spitzer. Mm. he just it's like all of these people falling from the pedestal yeah but it's always sad when this happens but i didn't know any of his background like i really didn't know that he was this neither did i uber rich guy yeah i knew that he was like a really great a district attorney and successful but yeah but you know it's so disappointing when humans actually show their human side yes <laughs> the dark the dark the yeah. dark side yeah, yeah. Oh, i know but i guess we wouldn't have a podcast if that wasn't the case i know yeah keep keep messing up keep mucking up guys we need we need to keep going i love it, <laughs> I love it. so is that it is that all you got That's all I got. Okay, so I will see you next week. Yes! Bye! Bye! If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty. Coming up next week on The Muck Podcast. September 3rd, 1930. 
news breaks that Judge Crater is missing, and no one has seen him for about a month. What? Which is a really long time yeah. before like news gets out that this prominent she- judge is gone. Yeah, I thought you were going to see a few days, a month. They would share an email account with one of them saving a message in the drafts folder. Oh, and, and the other person they, would log in, read it, and delete then, it, and, and then, then write s- a new one. Yes. So, there so was that's no, how they communicated. Oh, so that there was actually no, no actual sense. email sitting yes. there. 